welcome to welcome to everything. Uh, what's the name of the show? Leftover. Welcome One to more everything. Word. <laughs> welcome to it's everything leftover. Our podcast on HBO's The Leftovers. My name is Justin Blizzard. I am joined uh, back from the dead by Keith Krepko. <laughs> That's right. I uh, I'm back from the dead, and uh, it's been revealed to me that I have the power to take your take your pain if you hug me, <laughs> Justin. So why don't you get over here? Actually, my my power I can tickle. Oh, I can really? tickle your pain away. Well, so. if there were if there was ever a power to make Holy Wayne's power seem appealing. I think it might be the power to tickle. I want to see just a reference to the tickle guy right. on like the news <laughs> who has no followers. Right. But is offering the same, the same thing. <laughs> Come on guys. Um, we are going to discuss episode three of the second season of the leftovers of which I don't know the title because I was going to look it up before we started recording, but I didn't. So, uh, general impressions. So episode three, we, uh, are yet again, diverted to a, another separate timeline in the series. This time we follow Meg, not Meg, <laughs> Tommy and, uh, Lor- Lori. Yes. So we follow Tommy and Lori. In the episode Off-Ramp. Off-Ramp, that's right. Uh, So what did you think of the episode? General impressions. Uh, General impressions are, I really want to see the Murphys. Um, As an episode, this this was fine. It definitely felt more like... It Season felt like one. old leftovers, yeah. It felt like old leftovers. Um, felt like old. No, leftovers. no pun intended. No pun intended. Slash pun intended. Right. Um. So it, it definitely felt like season one, and it did have me thinking about the structure of season two and saying, you know, do I feel kind of bait and switched that episode one is like whole new family, whole new situation. Episode two is like, uh, let's get you caught up on how, you know, Kevin and, and them got here. And then episode three is like, okay, we're, uh, we're right back. Right. Um, as, as an episode though, I was, I was fine with it again. It felt like old leftovers, but the mysteries at the heart of it again, feel like there's more substance to them. It it really doesn't feel it feels like they've really zeroed in on what the core mystery of the season is. And it's not the departure. I'm I'm fine with them not answering, you know, mm. the departure. But the mysteries of these characters feel like they're answers to them. You know, there's no this guy with the dogs, is he or isn't he, the National Geographic, all that stuff. So I like the the slim down. Well, there is still the guy in the tower, the guy who is psychic, the Australia connection, which comes up again in this episode. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think some of those, like I'm taking the Australia, like the perfect strangers thing, mm-hmm. where it's it. I could see that playing as an in joke between everybody, like, hey, Damon, remember mm-hmm. Australia? Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to keep that going? 
because because it's not any it's something that you'd have to really look for you know it doesn't come out and slap you in the face mm-hmm. um and uh and then in terms of all those other mysteries they're they're within the context of of the town like answering the mystery of the town miracle will i think answer the mysteries of those characters mm-hmm. so i am i'm actually okay with those mysteries because they they they're they're tied to something larger. Who was the guy with the dogs tied to? What larger mystery was he a part of? Who knows? Yeah. You know, so those are kind of the mysteries that aren't tied to anything that frustrate people who watch. And this is the last time they'll bring it up for this season, I hope. But that's what got people frustrated with Lost. Mm-hmm. Is Lost had mysteries that weren't tied to any greater mystery. So they knew they're going to have to answer the large mystery of what this island is, but then they're going to have to go back and be like, and what were the polar bears, you know? Right. And what show would do that? Yeah. No show's going to do that. So yeah. leftovers, this episode feels more streamlined. And in that way, I, I enjoyed it as a, as a throwback episode. I'm ready to get back to the Murphys. Yeah. I'm kind of expecting next or this week's episode to be like a making of, of the first three episodes. Just like, I just feel like anything to delay the show moving forward is what they're going for at this, <laughs> at this time. Like I just want the show to move forward. Right. I wanted it to move forward after the first episode. It didn't in the second episode and it didn't again in the third episode. I want this next episode to be a 50 minute, point of view from the guy in the tower <laughs> of the last right. few days. Right. He watches the Garveys move in. Yeah. 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 He watches uh uh John burn down a house. Right. Yeah. He he watches Kevin walk by in a trance at night to go throw himself into a lake. Yeah. It it yeah, it was most definitely an old leftovers show and it was just incredibly dark pretty depressing um save for and all of that i find to be rather uh uninteresting Mm -hmm. i thought the ending was great and where they went with that where they're going with that storyline is great right. and really interesting, a right. really interesting turn. So I really like the cult movement. Mm-hmm. But up until then, I just wanted to change the channel or just, you know, fast just forward, fast it's forward to the next episode, basically to, to make it feel like things are moving forward. And I think it, it really solidified for me that at least with, the I, well, I guess it's not just the with Lori and Tommy, but I, I guess the and this is something that they've been saying since the beginning of the show. I think, or I feel like, the show is not about the the show is less about the departure and the reasons the hunt behind the departure, which I was never interested in to begin with. But it's less about that than it is about. getting the viewer to i guess express their feelings on that subject matter you know what i mean so it's like the whole idea is that the your 
rationalization behind the departure, either yours as the viewer or yours as the resident of Mapleton or of Miracle, is is representing your spiritual beliefs, right? And that's kind of what the show is about. Right. So this episode is showing, which the whole first season did, is, is showing a world where people have, they're struggling to find a belief in anything, right? That's what the guilty remnant is. That's what that's what the the people leaving the guilty remnant are struggling with, right? They joined because after the departure, they saw no point in this meaningless, superficial world that we live in, and they could no longer look Pre- past that. Right, pretend. Right there, yeah. There was no more pretense in their in their. They couldn't do it anymore. And so that's you know represented in the world in the woman you know, murder, suiciding her family on the highway. Right. She's tries to go back to the regular world. She just can't do it anymore. Right. You you feel like it exposed in her that fundamental emptiness of disbelief. Right. Right. There's nothing out there. Right. What you believe to be true is not real. Right. And now you got nothing to fall back on. So it seems to me like the point of the show, at least from the creator's perspective, is to get the audience to discuss those things, more or less. So if you're watching the show and you're saying, oh, this departure, the it's it's, you know, meaningless, that's a larger that's supposed to represent your larger viewpoint of the world. Or if you're watching it and you're saying or and you're searching for meaning, then that represents your Right, it, it exposes right. your worldview. Yeah. Um, the problem I have with that is just that, well, I guess not the problem I have with it. The problem I have with their represent is that they're representing the darkest side of that situation, right? They're not showing families who have persevered through this departure and have either lost belief and found some other way to cope with the meaninglessness of life or have sort of, uh, I guess, honestly doubled down in their belief and are okay with that, right? Instead, what we're seeing are people who are completely overwhelmed with this idea that is very overwhelming and they can't live with it. So they're committing suicide or they're committing, you know, social suicide by, you know, just decamping from everybody and right. joining the guilty I, remnant. And that is, it's tough to watch. It, it's not, it's, it's just, for me, it's unenjoyable to watch. Yes. I, I would say in this universe, I would, I would agree with that largely. Except I would say in this universe, there are people who are persevering that like the husband of the lady who left. Right. No, no, I agree. What right. I'm saying is the show is not following. No, no, no. It's not following. But, but I think, you know, there you can just make the simple claim that what kind of show is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Watch me go to work and <laughs> not feel bad about my dead end job sure. in the face of... Of all this. Now, that's where a book that both of us read that we like, The Last Policeman, right. <clears throat> takes that and makes it interesting because it does follow somebody who mm. 
in the face of everything finds that their routine is what they fall back on, that right. their perseverance is their response to this unbelievable reality. Um, I think it'd be interesting if you could try and find a main character who represents that. But I mean, I can see right now why they're, why they're not. Yeah. So, uh, I don't want to skip right to the end. Well, to the rape scene. Or to the oh. end, because I feel like those are both towards the end of the episode. There has to be something that happens before that. <laughs> I mean, we're basically just watching Lori uh, and Tommy and Tommy, and you're and you're learning that Lori, after leaving the guilty remnant, is sort of reassuming her psychiatrist role and trying to, uh, you know, help people leave the guilty remnant. Yeah, I want to a, a quick side note. Uh, my wife, who's been watching on and off mm-hmm. through season one was sitting next to me when um, this episode started and oh are you talking about the, the descriptors oh yeah so so I go to make it make a joke because it's about to start and I know you know the show's dark right so before the descriptors <laughs> come up I was like hey are you ready for a night full of and then I was gonna read and it was gonna uh-huh. say like <laughs> adult situations adult language <laughs> nudity. You know, uh, and the very <laughs> first descriptors rape. And yeah, I saw that too. And I was like, wow. Yeah. We're the in joke, for a doozy tonight. Yeah. The joke died on my lips. <laughs> I didn't go any further. And, th- but then the whole episode, I'm wondering who yeah. is going to get raped. So, right. yeah, we can hold off on that. I, I felt like, I guess I want to say, what did you, how did you feel when you found out? Because, okay, at the end of last episode, we still thought that Lori could be part of the Guilty Remnant. There's nothing in the way mm-hmm. that she reacted in the car that made you think, like, oh, she's talking now. She's mm-hmm. out of the Guilty Remnant. Um, so what did you think when you found out that she was out of the Guilty Remnant and actively working against them? Uh, I'm fine with that. It did like did a, it come as a reveal at all to you? Like a like a shock where you at all kind of like, oh wow, that's an interesting turn, or were you just like, oh, okay, no, that's not really, like, really. I mean, if it were Patty, maybe, or someone on that, or even Meg, but it's like the whole first season, you're watching this woman be conflicted about being in the guilty remnant because she misses her family. Yeah, but I mean, every turn she kind of makes the she throws the lighter away, and she yeah. I just was never convinced by that stuff, I guess. Okay. I mean, I guess when I saw that she was actively working against them, I I got interested. Mm-hmm. So I was glad to see that even though they weren't moving this story forward timeline-wise, that they are interested in moving these characters forward. Mm-hmm. And like I asked last week, where's the guilty remnant? Well, here they are. Mm-hmm. And they're actually progressing them forward a little bit um although we can talk about the big reveal of Lori's reveal which is hey what's the guilty remnant about i don't know yeah. you know so the big reveal is even Lori doesn't understand yeah um yeah i guess nobody does exactly I think that's the point right um what did you think of the uh 
What did you think of the scene where she steals her laptop back? <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. She yes. just runs in and grabs it. Yeah. Yeah. That was really, um, really funny. What did you think of the soundtrack? I don't think I remember it. The drum battle. Oh, yeah. The jazz stuff. Yeah, I thought that was jazz. great, too. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Because that's, uh, I mean, it, initially, you know, Lisa's like, what, what is it? I was like, that's that's her internal life. That's the way that I took that. Mm-hmm. Um, on the surface, she can be calm or whatever. Inside, she's just a raging jumble yeah. of noise. Yeah, I can see that. Um I thought that was I thought that worked really well with the editing and all that. I really like that. Uh and and so it's also revealed that Lori is uh undercover running guilty remnant members over, right? Right. So you're getting shots throughout the episode of her cleaning her car and then you see I think it's after she steals the laptop. Yes. She just runs to to over and then it cuts to her cleaning her car again and then later on she says something when she they breaks never down like they never move or something like that well the, the thing about that is and and by telling the same timeline over three times mm-hmm. it throws you off as a viewer because you repeat her washing the car and you're like wait is this the same car wash like mm-hmm. you know there's nothing nothing to differentiate those but yeah and then when you actually think about it you're like okay yeah she's mm-hmm. this is a repeated behavior mm-hmm. um which I think that there's the dark humor of leftovers that I love is like, yeah, her snatching this laptop and running out mm-hmm. uh, and then running over a bunch of, but like that that's the way Lori has found to outlet her rage is just mm-hmm. to road rage. <laughs> uh, like has she killed people? Right. How long has she been doing this? Do people right. now recognize that car? Is like, <laughs> hey, that's a car that keeps hitting guilty remnant people. Hey, isn't that the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but that's the other thing, too, is I love that n- neither Lori nor Tommy are worried about keeping a low profile, pretty much. Yeah, Tommy just... Maybe he's just a dummy, but it's... But... He's either a dumb or he just doesn't give a shit because he's just like going for it. It's just like, and that also could just be a matter of like time constraints, but it's like every single time you see Tommy in the guilty remnant house, he's like propositioning somebody and he's staring <laughs> like, at them. He's right? just staring at somebody <laughs> and propositioning. Them. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, I, I mean, that's the thing when he gets caught, he reacts so strongly. And I was like, <laughs> Tommy, Buddy, did you not imagine this could be a possibility? <laughs> I mean, if you're that scared of getting found out, then why have you been so aggressive yeah. every time before? Or don't you have a better lead-in than let's leave right now? He just met her. <laughs> right. right. Are you okay? I know a safe place we can go. <laughs> like, let him answer the first one. Right? Exactly. Don't put it all, don't put all your cards on the table. You know, right when they're when your uh, opponent is checking, right? Yeah, I I want to submit that Tommy puts next time. Do you like the guilty remnant? And if they <laughs> say yes, move on. Do you oh, like yeah, it here? Me, me too. <laughs> I love it too. Just checking out how much you loved it. All right, see you later. Yeah. So Tommy gets uh, taken. Gets got. He gets put in the back of a van and then Meg shows up and uh, rapes him Mm -hmm. and 
then they fake like they're going to set him on fire mm-hmm. and they don't. Mm-hmm. So I was reading an interview with uh, Damon Lindelof about that scene specifically. I, yeah, on did Hitfix? you? Did you? No, it was on Vulture. I oh, think. I read Alan Sepinwall did a interview with him about that scene. <laughs> okay, it, and his basic take was it's something that the characters are going to talk about later in the season. It's setting up things coming. It's setting up things coming, and it's kind of, I guess, was a reaction to a rape in TV in general. In the Vulture piece, he specifically sort of calls out Game of Thrones and how it happens in that show, but nobody ever talks about it. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to make it a point that it was going to be handled in the future. Right. So what do you see as the motivation behind it? Because when it happened, I'm just as confused now as I was when it happened. I still have no idea how that is relevant to the show at all or to Meg's motivations or, you know. So I'm going to take a wild stab at this, okay? I'm not saying that this is the interpretation of the scene that any writer had in mind or that everybody should have in mind, but I just listened to a whole series of podcasts on uh, Charles Manson and Mm -hmm. just some light listening. Yeah. While you're tidying up the house or something I like to do while playing games with my son. Yeah. Down the park. While I'm cuddling with my son, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll throw on a light story (laughs) of Charles Manson. Um, And so I, I was, I was listening to that and, you know, obviously, obviously a part of that has to do with um, cults with this kind of, not mind control, but control mm-hmm. of a group or of power dynamics. A big piece of that is sex that you can, you know, use sex against somebody uh, as a power move or mm-hmm. as a way to make them feel favor or make them conflict them about you and your position and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So, with Meg, there was obvious, obviously a utilitarian nature to it, right? She didn't seem to want to continue after Tommy finished. Mm-hmm. And after Tommy was done, she got up, left, and then you know, her power was asserted on mm-hmm. him afterwards. And right after, you hear him say, the guilty remnant knows something, right? Mm-hmm. So he has, he is. Oh, you mean he says that to his mom? Exactly. Right. He's being influenced, right? Right. And the fact that sex was used there to complicate his feelings because he obviously wasn't resistant the whole time mm-hmm. that that connected him to Meg in a way. Uh, you know, furthermore, is Meg trying to get pregnant by him? Right. Or, so that was some of the speculation. Right. Or um, she wants a holy Tommy baby. Right. But that speculation seems to be conflating sort of the ending story that Tommy tells, which we'll get to. Exactly. Right. I, I felt like it was much, it felt to me more of what I was hearing 
the way Charlie Manson used sex and orgies to keep control over all of his members. That mm-hmm. that was that was a, a a big part of the way that he controlled them or, mm-hmm. or asserted his power. Um that that's how it that's how that felt to me. And then secondarily, you know, getting pregnant or just she knows who he is and yeah. that's her kind of way of giving Lori a middle finger. Right. To be like, yep, I had your son. Right. Back of that van. Uh yeah. That makes sense. The cult the Charles Manson thing makes sense. I just don't know if that's what they're doing with it. Exactly. I don't know. That's just the that's just the impression that that I got from it. But again, it could be because I just listened to mm-hmm. you know all this stuff and that was a part of it. And it made me think like, oh yeah, she could be using that to complicate Tommy's feelings about her. Right. So the the episode ends with Tommy giving a or telling a story to the remaining uh therapy group members well, do, do you want to talk really quickly about Lori's book oh yeah yes i did want to talk about that yeah um so Lori's giving a presentation on her book and it turns into um what i am what i imagine is a truthful uh sort of fictionalization of what it is like to pitch a book or to pitch any creative project to executives. Uh, it felt a little over the top to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, especially towards the end when <laughs> Lori just starts throttling this guy. Uh, you know, the, the throttling didn't, didn't bother me as much as the way the guy so un with, with, with such a lack of yeah self-realization it's just like and you couldn't do anything and right. your daughter was right there and you were screaming and you were helpless and then your husband came and he was the hero <laughs> and i was like for a guy who was fuzzy on the details earlier in right. this interview yeah, it was five, like 30 seconds earlier you you went you you're part of the gu- the guilty what were they yeah. oh remnant i mean he nailed that end part he he loved that scene so the fact that he kept piling on and i was like did she really write all that detail or are you like on off some kind of are you riffing right now on this scene you just perfectly imagined Mm -hmm. it um that was that was felt a little long yeah it did it (laughs) did keep going it did keep going a bit yeah. Uh and her her reaction is is kind of I guess the, the one thing that that I was also thinking too is you she is angry and she's identified as being angry early mm-hmm. on. She's hitting guilty remnant people. That throttling of that guy is a is a ending punctuation on her book deal and all that. So it does play a story role in that way. But did we need like did we need that as the revelation of how angry her character? I think mm-hmm. killing people with her car <laughs> is good enough. You know, it's I, I actually yeah, running people over in the street is probably worse. A step <laughs> above like assaulting somebody in a meeting. I mean, maybe not. They both sound pretty terrible. But well, yeah, a guy who's really—I mean, at right. least somebody else in the room could have said, 
dude, what's wrong with you, right? <laughs> yeah. But no one's going to watch somebody plow into people and right. be like, you guys should have moved, right? you know? Yeah. Okay, so and from so from there they go, you know, uh, she goes back to her car, and that's or she goes home, and then that's when Tommy and, goes and, and into she, and she got the call of the murder suicide. Right. Did 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 that whole side the the off ramp part of of this episode did that ring true to you? That kind of picture of depression and homicidal um, suicide tendencies. the suicidal part of it rings true for me. The, 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 and the, the inclusion of the sun does not ring true to me. Mm -hmm. Like that to me feels like it's just as a kick in the balls, just to be a kick in the balls. You know what I mean? Going back to game of Thrones, it's the stabbing of the, pregnant lady just exactly because you're like oh yeah how exactly it's like how's that feel it's like hey yeah this this murder suicide is not over the top enough unless we put a nine-year-old in the back seat i i have to say that there was something moving and again it, it could be just the fact that i'm a parent in in her return to her home and there's something about feeling that love and connection to your family that fundamentally makes it difficult to understand somebody who doesn't find that fulfillment or that connection. Yeah. That I felt like that character and that scene played powerful to me and not so much on the gratuity side of it because of that scene of her coming home and the first person being she was grieved by was her son. Mm-hmm. And you just imagine feeling that, mm-hmm. that connection with your child and being like, everything's okay. Like, exactly. are you kidding yeah. me? Right. Like that's all she needed. Right. And to have that not be enough, uh, to me felt true, but I guess I'm with you where you, where you just say, you know, could, could a suicide have, have, Covered those bases. Did we need the three person murder suicide? Right. To to it, it's it's right. Lori hitting the people and strangling the guy. It's right. Not a suicide. It's a murder suicide. Yeah, it's a little bit too much. It's a little much, but but that that story did did connect for me. It yeah, it, it connects. Yeah, it, it connected with me in the same in the same sense. It it connects with me up until that the line of involving family because for me in my life the the that family involvement has kept keeps that stuff sort of or has kept that stuff at bay in the past for me it's not something that has either made uh things worse or, you know, made me want to, you know, get everyone involved. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I obviously can't relate to being that depressed. Right. To the point of where just your child running up to you and greeting you after not it's, seeing them for months doesn't do anything. Right. Or is like a temporary 
fix. And the next day you're just like, this is all meaningless again. So yeah. And that's that. And I think maybe that scene alone soured the entire episode for me right? because it was like, like, like we said, it just was a, a bit too much. I think I probably could have even managed just her like driving in a traffic by herself or something. Yes. Uh, that would have made more sense to me than, I mean, look, even her driving her husband into traffic would have made, it's just the involvement of the kid makes no sense. Yeah. Well, like, like, because they're building the husband up as like, there's this, this aspect of like abuse that they kind of bring in where she's like, afraid of how he's going to react uh no i, I didn't felt, know if that was like a hinting at abuse or just her being no, whatever no i think that felt i think what they're trying to do is here's okay here's one problem that they think people could have her story all the way is used only as a tool to illuminate Lori's character mm-hmm. that this character does not survive independent of Lori in terms of this story. So there's the scene of reconciliation, right? Mm -hmm. And Lori is like, you know, overseeing their reconciliation. And she's like, you're, you're angry or no, it's it's actually right before the reconciliation, but she's like, he's angry. Like you're Mm -hmm. angry, you know? Now Lori's anger is all underneath. And I think what they're saying is that she is actually seeing things as as wrong as she's seeing the big picture. She's seeing people for how they are mm-hmm. in in this setting, and not that he's abusive, but that there is an underlying anger that he is suppressing, mm-hmm. uh, not just directed at her, but maybe directed at the departure itself. And he's not dealing with it. He's continuing on. And she she wants that to come out. Or right. she's identifying that needs to come out in some way. And Lori's in denial. And then her husband's in denial. So I think she is just bringing out Lori's hypocrisy as a mirror to her husband. Right? Mm. So all those scenes of her trying to reconcile with her family are just used to expose Lori's alienation, her true alienation. Mm -hmm. And then the death of that character, see, it wouldn't be enough if she just committed suicide because what you need to do is have her suicide finally break Lori down. Mm -hmm. And so you could make the case of like, okay, with just a suicide, that's not enough to topple Lori who's on the edge of a book deal. Mm -hmm. But if Lori gets a call saying, not only did she kill herself, but she killed her family, the people who would have been safe had you not brought her back into their life. Mm-hmm. That's enough to send her over the edge. But again, all of that is just used for Lori's character. Mm-hmm. You know, So you could make the argument that that's not an organic character storyline that, that you're illuminating as you're telling your story. You're using that, and you're using those characters as a way to just shine a light and emphasize your own character. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an obvious storytelling technique that you wish 
maybe could have been done a little more subtly or artfully that you didn't have to. And again, these are fictional characters, Mm -hmm. but you killed three fictional characters (laughs) so that your one character could throttle a a book executive. I mean, that, that was her function. You killed all those people just to have that happen and to bring this Tommy, you know, new religion out. Mm -hmm. Was it worth it? Was it worth, you know, conveying all that pain, suffering, and darkness for that moment, you and I think would say no, Mm -hmm. but you know, this is the leftovers. Sure. So all that leads to Lori, I think conceding her point of being able to rehabilitate people and, and having her epiphany, we need to give them something. Right. We need to start our own cult, cult, basically. And so, and there seems to be some debate on this as well, at least on Reddit. So they have Tommy. Tommy's story about Holy Wayne passing his power on to him is made up, made correct? Up. Right. So there's some debate on whether or not that's real. But if we're going based on only what we've seen in the show that is not real. It's the complete opposite because all we saw in the first season was Tommy being incredibly uncomfortable anytime Wayne tried to hug him, hug him, which still sounds absolutely ridiculous. Um, right. So yeah, he makes up a story and he becomes a cult leader. That's Way how, to go, Tommy. That's how the episode ends. what do you think of the story he told? Was it convincing? Uh, well, no, because it's, again, I'm not a fan of Chris Zilka. Okay. And, I mean, it can't be convincing because I know it's fake. Yeah, but the way that he did it, the way they pulled it off. you, you uh, The people there thought it was convincing. Well, that's, <laughs> that, that's <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter what I think. Right. That, that was one thing. How, how readily they they responded to it right i guess that's that was one thing i actually did notice and like was like a uh, little thought was a little silly is like after telling the story the first cut is to a woman who's like weeping yes. openly weeping yes and i saw that and i was like oh okay i didn't realize like this was the level we were on well I, again and this is and this is because it's a t- tv show and everything yeah. But there's this aspect where for all the mystery that's surrounding these characters and motivations and all that stuff, at the base core, everybody has identifiable needs where Lori says, oh, they just need something. Mm -hmm. And everyone in that room needs the same thing. Like, I wish that there were more people in the room and there's one person who's sitting with their arms crossed, like looking over and being like, this? But it's like, no, everyone needs that. Like that, yeah. that is 100%. That's the way, and that never works, right? It doesn't, right. doesn't matter if you're like, you take three people who have just experienced the same personal loss and you give them each a Christian minister, not all three are going to be like, oh, right. that's what I need in my life. Right? Yeah. But it's like in the leftovers world, you're like, man, there's all this crazy stuff going around. 
they just need something. <laughs> Tell them you're going to hug them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with all that being said, though, I do like the development, right? Yes. I think that's a really interesting place for them to go. Uh, and I'm, you know, excited to see what they do with it. I wish you would have updated it, though, a little bit. Like, you know, don't just take Holy Be like, Holy Wing, pass it to me. I have to put you in a full Nelson, though. <laughs> I have to give you a noogie. I wish you would have put a little personal spin on it. Right. Um, so were there any other thoughts about the episode? Uh, I'm again, I am interested in the next episode. Right. And I think the next episode is going to go a long way into showing what we can expect. One also raises the question of like, what is the structure of this series going to be? There's only 10 episodes and we've, we're essentially a third of the way through the season and we've gotten three different storylines. Right. So are we in episode four going back to, it looks like Kevin, right? Are we going back to the Murphy's? Are we going back to the Garvey's? Are we going to the Murphy's slash Garvey's? Are we going to be like trading off episodes of like episode four is in Miracle, episode five is in Mapleton, Aaron is in New York, episode six, we're back in Miracle, you know what I mean? And then we're just sort of like working our way to the two families converging. Like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really appreciate the. I would like a more fluid storyline, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like one episode being dedicated solely to two characters and a cast of 10. I think we agreed season one, the two best episodes were the single character episodes. Right. Matt's episode and Nora's episode. episode. Do you think we'll get another single character episode this season? I would say no, because all of the characters seem to be so intertwined intertwined at this point. But Matt still isn't that involved. I mean, I could very easily see an episode where it's like, hey, this is where, what this is what Matt's been up to for the past two months. Right. Right. That's what episode four is. And all of the shots from the next time on Leftovers is like from like the last the five next. minutes. Well, did you notice last two weeks ago, they they're like. Not next time, but they're right, like they coming did like this up. season. On this the season, right? Yeah. So um, that it seems like they're pulling mainly from this next episode. Yeah, we we used to do stray observations. Yeah, in the, okay, I have a stray observation. Okay, um, it's going to come back to me because it ju- it just popped in my mind mm-hmm. and then just left for a second. Um, but it was an observation on. Okay. Lori's face driving away from the diner. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing that I noticed two weeks ago when Tommy gets out and gets in the car with his mom and she's driving away. She's like almost glaring, mm-hmm. but not definitely not like smart. Like she seemed stoic. Right. right. Then you see this episode. She's talking. She's chatting. She just wants to be there. She wants to be close. Mm hmm. And I was like, you don't give her a smile. And, right. you know, like Tommy just said, like, <laughs> right. she took your note. Like, you don't like a reassuring wave. Yeah. You don't. 
she looked pit like she looked away first. Yeah. Now, granted, she's driving, but I still <laughs> would think a, well, she a, clearly has no issues with just running over people. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. So why are you looking anyway? Yeah. Um, but yeah, did, did that stand out to you at all? I was like, why does she look so grumpy? You think like now she's talking, you think, you think she'd be like, Hey, I'm yeah. out of the guilty remnant. Yeah. I definitely expected her to like turn and like give at least like a smirk or something. A but reassuring no, yeah, she was, like, half sort of, smile. And she looks like Willem Dafoe, right? She's the female version of Willem Dafoe. I'll be looking for it next time. Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, all we've got for episode three off ramp. Uh, my name is Justin Blizzard. I've been here with Keith Krepko. If you want any information about the show, you can look in the show notes or you can go to eipodcast.com. My email will be on either of those two uh, sources. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Blizzard with nine Zs. And I'm at Things Come Right. Justin, we, we didn't talk about this, but on our way out here, for, for anyone who's listened to this point, mm-hmm. do you feel like we should do some sort of, like, I feel like we haven't gotten any new reviews for this year. Well, I, uh, I don't. I guess I don't really care about reviews. N- neither do I. I. What I'm more interested in is who in the world is listening to this and how many people are listening to this. And I guess reviews can give you somewhat of an insight into that. But because the site is hosted on Squarespace and their metrics are so confounding, I have no idea... We have no idea, really, how many people are listening to the show. So that's what I would be more interested in. I mean, if you have an idea for people leaving reviews, feel free. Well, it just I, is... Well, I was going to say, I feel like there needs to be some kind of incentive. So if you could freestyle rap uh thank you <laughs> after every review, or maybe just for the first one of this year. Uh-huh. You know, oh, I so like you want me to rap about somebody that leaves a review? I think out of the two of us, I, I feel confident enough to say that you're probably the better rapper between the two of us. <laughs> so I feel like you should do it. Uh-huh. Well, uh, well, like I said, I don't care if anybody leaves a review. So uh, that's as much of a guarantee that I'll give about doing a rap. If you leave a review <laughs> like, or you think of like a better you may reward. leave a review and look, if you take the time out to do that or to, uh, uh, I, I am appreciative, but there is a 99% chance. I will not even know that our show has been reviewed <laughs> there just are- because I don't, I'm not checking it. But if you want to send me an email, I do respond to all of our emails. Right. So maybe maybe send uh, send Justin a little sh- a little email. Yeah, and if anything if you're going to leave a review uh I, I I had an idea for this a while ago, but I can't remember it now, but like I said, I'm just interested in who who is listening to this and why are you listening to it? You know what I mean? Like I know why we do it, but I don't know the motives of everybody listening to it. You know what I mean? Like, so you see, you want everyone listening to write an email with their motivation for listening to this. 
I, I would say no, no, no. I no, I absolutely don't <laughs> want that because then I would have to respond to all of those emails, right? But I, that's what I think about, right? When thinking about like who listens to the the show. The, the, the pie chart is ninety percent commute, right? And I've run out of podcasts. Yeah, I mean, look, I could talk for an unbelievably long time about why. I want to do a podcast and why I listen to podcasts. I don't think it's that interesting, which is why I don't talk about it. Um, and so I guess I'm just curious as to if that's the, my motivations for doing this line up, line up with why people are actually listening to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. People listen to podcasts cause this universe is an empty cold place. <laughs> exactly. You got to fill the void with something. With something. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening, and we will uh, see... Oh, and I wanted to say, if you've listened to this this long, I, I, and we haven't talked about this, but I, I'm going to propose this episode, obviously, is being recorded Wednesday night. It's not going to come out until Thursday morning. I'm going to say we just record on Wednesday nights from now on, sure. because that's when we record our other podcasts. Yes. And it's just as easier that way. So thank you for listening. We will see you again next week on... Thursday.